0: Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is returning to in-person worship. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zenzelow, and I serve as the
1: pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, so this past Sunday was sort of a soft opening for a return to in-person worship at Central. It was indeed. You were there. I was support Mm -hmm. from home. Tell Mm -hmm. me, how was it?
0: It was better than I expected.
1: Yeah. And I was so incredibly grateful for your assistance. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, by happy circumstance, I happened to be uh, back from where I thought I was going to be much sooner and could help out. Is such a gift. It felt manic
0: a little bit because of just new brain stretches, right? It's the difference between doing kind of what you've always done and knowing where to walk and where to stand. But this time, now things were shifting and changing. So instead of standing in the places where I've always stood to lead the prayers or to say good morning. I needed to stand in a different location and make sure that the power button was hit or the unmute was hit, but also look at the people in the room and look at the camera on Mm -hmm. the machine in front of me. So it just felt not choppy, but there was so much going on in my brain. It was a challenge. The one thing I did not do, it would have been so kind. I did not manuscript my sermon.
1: Oh, okay. You are not in the habit of doing this recently, though, correct? I would say in the last
0: six to eight months, all of my sermons have been manuscripted. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. I'd gone back to a manuscripted sermon. I did not know that. And being back in the sanctuary and not knowing how or where I was going to preach from or what podium I would or wouldn't have or whether or not I would be able to have a manuscript up on my screen or any of those things, I went back to no manuscript and actually didn't even give myself notes. Wow. No no note card or nothing, huh? Nope. I was just flying on the wings of the spirit. And probably I could have made different choices that would have been kinder to myself on that.
1: (laughs) Sure. But now that you've done it once, like, are you going to do things like go thoroughly back into your theater background and put like, you know, tape marks on the floor for this is where the best place to stand for this view is and here's how I can hold my card and nobody can see it on Zoom and it's not going to be obtrusive for the people who are actually in the congregation.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting piece to kind of wonder how that's going to fly. Part of it is trying to figure out actual camera angles Mm -hmm. and camera locations. And until we have our soundboard, how are we miking and doing audio for Zoom? So one of the pieces that people may not understand is how it actually differs to figure out how to send audio onto the internet and how to have audio in the room.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And audio in the room... You need it to be able to go into speakers, which will project and your speakers are set at such a way that what is heard in the front of the room reaches the back of the room at about the same time. Mm -hmm. There's actual mathematics involved in how you create speakers and what kind of a delay speakers get set at so that things are coming at the same time. And there's a whole lot of stuff that goes into sound engineering for in-the-room acoustics. That kind of stuff then gets taken out when you plug a computer into a soundboard and then broadcast the audio.
1: Especially if you're using a program like Zoom, which does not play well with other participant windows. Totally. Anybody who's tried to sing happy birthday with other people on Zoom, you all understand what we're talking about. Exactly. Which is
0: different from like what we used to live stream right? Because Mm -hmm. when we used to live stream, we would just have a camera or a device in the corner, but there was no attempt at interaction. We weren't trying to get sound from Facebook back into the sanctuary. We didn't have the capacity and we didn't have the way to get a soundboard balanced audio Mm -hmm. out to Facebook. So we just basically had a cell phone on a tripod And let it do its thing. And it picked up the audio from the room. It was right below a speaker. So anybody who was miked in the room, the microphones were kind of increasing their sound on the speaker. The phone would go for it. We were good to go. This is a lot more complex. Mm -hmm. And we are down our actual speakers in the sanctuary because our sound system is in the
1: middle of being redone. (laughs) That's a bonus round you probably didn't need. Right. And so in September, all of
0: our work will be completely redone. Whatever we do over these next five weeks or so will be completely redone in September because we'll be getting a soundboard and new speakers in the room. Nice. And so we'll have to relearn everything and it'll be great. It'll be fine. It's a challenge. I'd say My brain was so full of which microphone are we using for which audio, for which view, and which way do I do this so we don't get feedback. Mm -hmm. So it was just a lot of juggling.
1: And then people in the room, three-dimensional, real human beings sitting in pews. Yeah, who can talk back to you without having to be unmuted? Yeah, (laughs) and wave and breathe and have body language yeah it's a whole a whole different thing again did it seem strange going back to that cuz i'm pretty sure by the time you were getting to the end of this whole zoom thing there are a fair number of black screens from people who were not turning their cameras on for whatever reason yep. me being one of them yep was it strange to go back and give a sermon and see people's reactions I think my brain
0: was running at 5,000 miles an hour. I don't think I even took it in. Yeah. I think I was trying to figure out what was it that I was supposed to say next and are they still with me and have I looked at the camera recently and no, don't look at the wall, look at the camera. And remember there's people on the right-hand side as well as the left-hand. So much to remember. Your brain is just
1: fried. It's a lot. Did it feel like you were actually running two services or did it feel more integrated than that?
0: I'm really grateful to say that it felt integrated. And I have high hopes for that to continue. I think that there are a lot of ways of being able to really stress the impact that we are still worshiping together, even if we're not in the same space at the same time. Mm -hmm. And particularly for our homebound or for those who are being more cautious because of being immunocompromised, I think this is here for the long haul. And the beauty of Zoom in this is that the people in the sanctuary get to see those members who are on Zoom. Right now, we don't have it set for the people on Zoom to be able to see the people in the sanctuary, because there may be those who attend in the sanctuary who don't want to be on camera. Okay. And in the same way that you could change your name and turn your camera off on Zoom Mm -hmm. and not be seen. You don't have that option if you're in the sanctuary. Exactly. And so we need to set up a way to say this is the camera-free zone, Mm -hmm. right? Like, if you sit here, you will be on camera. If you sit anywhere else, you will not be recorded and give people the ability
1: to consent to being seen on camera. Is your ultimate goal that you could reach some sort of hybrid worship to the point where you could have somebody who is on Zoom reading lessons or doing other parts of the service other than just purely watching?
0: Absolutely. That's my absolute hope. Once we get the soundboard, so once we can get the sound coming from Zoom in a way that doesn't set off feedback Mm -hmm. and can be heard clearly in the sanctuary, I would love to be able to keep it so that our assisting minister or our lector could all be online if they chose. And that would allow for folks who are having medical challenges. It would allow for folks who are being safe or traveling. It would allow folks who are at a distance to all continue to be a part of the active worshiping congregation, even if they can't make it into the facility at a given time. So that's my hope, is that we'll be able to get to that and Get to it with integrity Mm -hmm. and authenticity in a way that doesn't feel like a gimmick or doesn't feel odd or strange, but is just part of how we function.
1: What does this mean for the number of people who are quote unquote behind the scenes, right? So now not only do you need like an usher and somebody who's running behind the scenes on zoom and somebody turning audio on and off and all Mm -hmm. these other. in addition to the people who are reading and doing all the other things does it seem like there's now way more people that need to be helping than are actually attending (laughs) or does it feel like you can do this without having to have half the congregation behind the scenes you know
0: They call the liturgy the work of the people. Sure.
1: (laughs) But not everybody (laughs) wants to do that work. I know.
0: (laughs) I know. And it's hard. That's the part we're still figuring out. And after one week, I can't say exactly how it's going to fly, but it is hard because we do. We have to have ushers on site. We have to have tellers on site to collect and count money. We need to have a lector and an assisting minister. We need to have a producer online, and we need to have someone who's helping with the volumes and the spotlighting. And we may even need someone who's helping to make certain that the Facebook live stream goes live. And all these pieces gather together for a lot of people needed every single Sunday. Mm -hmm. And that's hard, and it's good, and it's invitational. And I don't know how it's going to go yet. There's so much about this that is just like at the beginning of the pandemic, completely new and different. And every congregation is going to have a different way that they create this new way of being hybrid. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it, while we can talk to each other about best practices and we can talk to each other about techniques, so much of it is also determined by what kind of technology we have access to. Oh,
1: absolutely. Absolutely
0: right? What kind of sound system do we have? What kind of microphones? What kind of cameras? What kind of laptops? All of those pieces are all required in order to make this successful. And depending upon how much of that tech you already had, some of us, like Central, we don't even have a screen in our sanctuary.
1: No, that's never been the practice.
0: Not at all. And so there are some congregations who've had screens for a 15, 20 years. Mm -hmm. And so it's not a big deal for them to imagine how to incorporate a computer and screens for other congregations. We're all the way back at, well, where would we put a screen and how would we put a screen and how do we do it with integrity as to who we are and who our wider community is? Because it's for Central anyway, we're not just about us in that room. That room is used for concerts and public speaking events and all kinds of different purposes. And so the changes that we make are not just about us, they're about our entire community. So we have to be smart and wise and careful and kind and imaginative and resourceful. And do it all on a shoestring budget. (laughs) Because? (laughs) Because we're still in a pandemic. And we're still on an austerity budget, right? Because
1: that's just reality. Do you see this as a way to sort of grow the congregation, being able to reach people online? Or is that just another way to help the parishioners that you already have?
0: I think it absolutely has the potential to be a way for people to begin to interact with the community Growing a congregation is a fascinating conversation. We could probably slate that down for a future podcast. What I'll say is if my goal for evangelism with my dissertation on the topic, my goal for evangelism is that someone will hear good news, that through the activities and presence and joy of this community, that someone will hear the good news that they are loved and that they are perfect as they are, and that they can do amazing things, this kind of technology has the opportunity to open the pathway for that for a lot of other people. For folks who are living in regions where a progressive and welcoming and inclusive congregation doesn't exist, Mm -hmm. this kind of access could give them a pathway to being a part of a community that serves them well. I don't know whether or not it will grow our congregation. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It might enhance our congregation. It might expand our congregation, but we're living in 2021 and congregational growth is a finicky creature. (laughs) Sure. And that being said, Would it be amazing if all of a sudden we had 75 people logging in on Zoom and, you know, another reasonable amount for whatever our in-person gatherings are given the COVID rates at the time? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it'd be awesome. It'd be incredible.
1: We'll see what the spirit has in mind. Okay, getting back to the on-site half of it, because Mm -hmm. I'm fascinated. I wasn't there. Mm -hmm. What was the feedback from the people who did show up? Did it feel comfortable for them or were they unsure maybe next time they'll just stay home or are they super excited to get back into the building? I think that it is such an incredible mix of emotions. The first time
0: you return back to sacred space after being gone, after having it held back from you Mm -hmm. for a year and a half, I think that there's just a lot. You feel a lot of things. You feel joy and excitement and deep sadness. I could get caught very easily in the sadness of the empty pews of the people that we've lost. Sure. And my therapist was really lovely in saying, be careful with that. Like, Focus on the potential Mm -hmm. of what will come next instead. You still get time to grieve, but focus on the potential of what will come, not only what has been lost. So I try to balance that in my own experience with grieving for the empty seats and focusing on the potential of what is yet to be. And I think there were some for whom it's just such a bizarre, you get there and you feel so many things, there's no way to kind of express it. It's just a lot. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. (laughs) And and I I wish I could say that
1: more eloquently, but I think words fail me trying to explain it. Because it's still... Not the same, right? It's not quote unquote Mm -mm. normal because everybody's masked and you have the social Mm -hmm. distancing. I'm Mm -hmm. curious though, knowing the Lutherans and they're mostly not wanting to sit in the front row anyway, was the distancing weird or did it seem natural?
0: It was totally fine. Oh, good. So we blocked off every other pew, Mm -hmm. given the Delta variant and the kind of spikes that we're seeing and the medical system here in Oregon being significantly challenged. We're going to take every precaution that we can, even as we have chosen to return to on-site services. So we set off every other pew and people basically sat one household per pew. Mm -hmm. And what that ended up doing is it really ended up with someone in almost every single open
1: pew for us. Which honestly, from what I remember, is kind of the way it was anyway.
0: Right. And people (laughs) just weren't doubling up households in the same pew. Mm -hmm. So it, it was spaced, but it felt okay. And if you looked into certain sections of the room, it was certainly like farther away from one another than maybe it used to be. Sure. But after a year and a half of not being together at all and avoiding crowds and avoiding restaurants, like for someone like me who still is living a very low risk lifestyle, mm-hmm. that was the longest I've been indoors with that many people, even though they're masked. In a year and a half. And
1: so for me, it felt like a lot of people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh, I bet. (laughs) So some of the quote unquote super spreader aspects of church Mm -hmm. being the sharing of the peace and communion, Mm -hmm. would you consider dropping those, but keeping in person with masks or I mean, are you sort of going to play all possibilities depending on where we are in the pandemic? Yep. Absolutely. So this last week we
0: did serve communion and it felt like a safe method of service. And I will say that one of the health professionals who did choose to come and attend the email that I received afterwards was, thank you. It was beautiful. We felt safe. Oh, good. And so that felt like a good piece of information to have from one of the RNs in our congregation. Not all our ends are going to feel that same way. Sure. Right? Be clear that we have another uh, health professional who's working very hard who really is anxious, but she's working directly with COVID 19 patients. Mm-hmm. And so she's very anxious about us returning and worried. So it, health professionals run the gamut as well. Sure. But next week, while I'm on vacation, we'll be trying out a baptismal rite that. Has been rewritten and kind of boosted up for this next phase of our online worship because online we could invite you to drink water, Mm -hmm. but we're not going to have people drink water in the sanctuary. Okay. And so we rewrote it so that it doesn't actually involve drinking water. And I tweaked the right, boosted it out a little bit, did a little bit here and there. And I feel pretty solid about it. I like what has been created. And I'm hopeful that if we get to a point where we feel like communion is too risky Mm -hmm. because people are even just opening their masks up in order to place the wafer underneath their mask, if that's too much and that feels too risky, then we can go to this baptismal rite in place of our sacrament time instead. So that's an option the passing of the piece, I left it on this first week because it's such a wonderful thing online. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see how well
1: behaved everyone was in the sanctuary. <laughs> That's good. And I'm, I'm guessing they did okay.
0: They did great. Excellent. Now, I prefaced it by saying, please stay in your pews. Sure. And you may wave to each other. You may flash a peace sign, but please don't leave your pews. And so people just kind of stood and spun Mm -hmm. and like waved at each other. And that was sufficient. And it's a really beautiful moment in our Zoom service. And I didn't want to lose that connection for our Zoom folks. Next step will be helping the congregation pass the piece with our Zoom folks while still giving a place in the congregation for people to sit who don't want to be on
1: camera. Sure. Levels. Okay, this is going to lead me to my last question. Yeah. For you personally, getting back into the sanctuary and leading in-person worship, what was something that hit you in a way that you weren't expecting? The
0: moment that I actually stopped kind of my head zoomies and was a little bit more in the moment. I was away from the cameras, the microphone, like it was set. I wasn't going to be messing with anything, was presiding at communion at the table. And that's the first time I've presided at communion at the table since March 8th of 2020. Uh-huh. And not the very beginning, but it was when I could look down and the big book was there mm-hmm. and I could read the Eucharistic prayer off the big book
1: and I could hold my arms out. <laughs> sure. More than the tiny little zoom window.
0: More than my shoulder width in my zoom window. And I didn't have to worry about whether or not I had a hangnail that everyone was going to be able to see when I lifted the host, because you're two (laughs) inches from my fingernails when I preside on Zoom. And it was both powerful and good and like coming home and kind. And it was uncomfortable and awkward because I haven't stretched like that in a very long time. And it was just a lot of things. And it made it very real that this was a very different thing that we were doing again. I bet. So that was the moment for me. And remembering the communion of saints in that moment, right, I've preached about it on All Saints Day, that we complete the circle behind us are the circle of the saints who've gone before us and that we've lost. And before us are the saints who are living that we are serving. And so I think, All of that kind of came in, and I had chosen to wear, I was gifted a cross necklace by the daughter of our member who died of COVID, who was the sixth person in the state of Oregon to die from COVID, and Marsha's daughter gave me one of her crosses. And so as we gathered back in worship for the first time, I wore that cross To remember both my promise that I made to her daughter that we would do everything we could at Central, that no family would have to experience that rapid and that hard of a death Mm -hmm. because of the choices that we have made. Mm -hmm. And to remind myself to continue to be safe and to continue to be super careful and to continue to let this be holy. Marsha loved being in that room and she loved those people And she loved this community and she loved the sacrament. And so wearing that was important to me that first week back. And in that moment of presiding at communion, it just kind of all hit in a big way for me. And you get through it and you feel all the feels, and there are a thousand different feelings. And I spent most of the afternoon just kind of staring off in the middle distance, sometimes smiling and sometimes crying. Drinking lots of water and preparing for the next time we do it.
1: So that's all you can do. That's all we can do for sure. Excellent. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about returning to in-person worship. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic.
0: As do I. And thank you all for listening along. If you have not yet returned to in-person worship, but are pondering whether or not you are going to do so. Check in with your congregation and find out what their safety practices are. Be kind to yourself in your decisions and know that online services are a beautiful, holy, and very real option in the days and weeks ahead as we continue to find our way through this pandemic. If you would like a prayer, if you would like to reach out to us, you can reach us at podcast at centralportland.org. And until we're in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.